May the words of my mouth and the meditation of each heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord. The bread of life. The drink that meets our thirst. Amen. When I was a kid, I really loved going to church camp. In the Senate I grew up in, in the West Virginia, Western Maryland Senate, we were not nearly as blessed as you guys here in Michigan to have a dedicated Lutheran camp that you can go to all summer. Side note, Living Water Ministry this summer, all camps are free to all campers. Register now. Um, But instead, we rented for one week a year a 4-H camp in Cowan, West Virginia. Cowan, West Virginia is the middle of nowhere. One time while going there, my car broke down, and I am pretty sure that I heard banjos playing. But what was cool about it was because we didn't go all summer, we didn't have just our dedicated camp, I went to the same church camp from third through 12th grade. And every Lutheran kid in the entire state of West Virginia and that little piece of Maryland that gets stuck in the like arm crevice of West Virginia here, those, those people were our people too, would come to this same camp. I still have relationships with those people. And one of the coolest games we played is terribly deadly called Chubby Bunny. Have you ever played this game? Chubby Bunny? Chubby Bunny is a fun game if you are a kid. You should not play this. Do not play this game. You could choke and die. Chubby Bunny goes like this. You try and stuff your mouth as full as possible with marshmallows and say the word Chubby Bunny every time. See why this becomes a choking hazard? Do not put marshmallows in your mouth and not chew them up. If you swallow one, you will die. Just saying. So, we would play this game. And without fail, we would all end up with ooey gooey marshmallow all over our face. But in those moments, we knew God was good. We knew with our mouth stuffed full of saccharine, sugar, high fructose gooeyness, that God was with us. There was no place in the entire world, probably even to this day, that I have been so sure of God's presence than at Camp Cowan on the third week of June. We knew we could taste it. We could feel it. We called it it. And when I hear these words of Jesus reminding us to taste and see God is good, to experience the bread of life, to eat his body, to drink his blood, I am reminded of the very important nature of experiencing God's presence with our senses, of knowing God is with us, with everything we have. 
in this passage, you can hear Jesus inviting people, trying to say over and over, I am the bread of life. I am where life comes from. I am God's son. I am the Messiah. He says it so many times that it's almost as if he begs for those to listen. But they don't hear it. They don't react to it if they do hear it. I mean, I'm sure they heard it, but they don't hear it. Does that make sense? How often does this happen in our lives? How often are we shoving our face full of God's gracious goodness to the point that we almost choke on it while God is saying, I love you. You're mine. Come, worship, follow me. And we are caught up in whether that was 42 or 43 marshmallows we have shoved in our mouth. Right? We are caught up in the stickiness of life. We are caught up in the richness of it all, in the trying to win the game and not experiencing what is there. The Pharisees in our passage, or the Jews in our passage, the leadership in our passage, the church people in our passage get caught up in the details. Well, isn't this the son of Mary and Joseph? How does he say this? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? How are we supposed to eat his body? He's human. We know we don't eat other people. Isn't that cannibalism? What does he mean we'll never be thirsty again? Certainly the woman at the well three weeks ago has somehow come for another drink. We do this in our life too, right? We, we get caught up in how hard it is, how difficult it is, how much change and transition there is in everything and everywhere. And admittedly, the last two years has exasperated all of those things. There has been extra change, extra turmoil, extra, extra, extra. And we get caught up in the details, in the minutiae, in the, in the pettiness of all of it, and we lose what the point of it was. The point of Chubby Bunny was never to win, and it wasn't even to fit as a whole bag of marshmallows in your mouth. The point of the game was to share in laughter and fellowship and goofiness, to find joy in the presence of each other and being together. It didn't matter who won. That wasn't the point of the contest. The point of what Jesus is saying here is not whether or not the body and blood actually are body and blood, bread and wine. That's, that's for God to figure out. Not for us. It doesn't matter. If Jesus says it's so, it is so. The hunger that Jesus feeds is not the same hunger that seems to be incessant in children and definitely not satisfiable by any church camp food I have ever eaten. 
whether it was at my church camp or any of the other dozen church camps I've ever been to. The hunger there is deeper. It is harder to meet. And our world has all kinds of solutions for it, none of which actually ever work. You can try and fill it with money, the green dough, right? But that dough never bakes out. You can try and drink yourself into oblivion with alcohol and other beverages, and yet that thirst for God's love never seems to be met. So where do we find this? How do we experience this? How do we taste and see that God is good? Well, one thing we do is that we come to this table, right? We come to this table and we receive the body and blood of Christ. We receive the bread and the wine of communion and we are met by a living God who knows us and loves us. And as we stand here on the 13th of February, maybe that's the most important part. We are met by a God who knows us and loves us. Because in the end, what Jesus really gets at at this passage is have you not seen the relationship I have built with the world? Have you not seen that I come and put on your very form so that I might live amongst you? I became your body to feed your hearts. I became your blood to meet your thirst, Jesus tells us. Not by actually feeding people, not by actually giving them a drink, although Jesus does all of those things, right? God doesn't heal hurting hearts just by performing miracles of healing. God meets people where they're at with what he has for the sake of the world, through relationship. And the powerful, important part of this is that it calls us into that same relationship. When we come to this table and we receive these elements, we don't come just to be fed. This is not a feast by any classic standard when it comes to feeding people. And yet, we call it a feast. The cups that we give hardly overflow unless you're shaky and quiver. They are a simple taste. And yet, we talk about them overflowing. What they do, though, is they call us into relationship in a way that can never be untangled. They show us a love that is endless and boundless. A love that starts with the disciples, goes to the cross, and carries through into Easter from this water where we are drowned and brought to new life and out into our world. It always strikes me 
when we get new leadership and congregations, that the first thing we worry about is how many people are in our pews. The grief is palpable. You can feel it. You can hear it in people's voices. We miss those parts of the body. And the first answer to solve all the problems is, (coughs) (coughs) excuse me, we need more people. We just got to replace the old people with new people. And so the first thought is, I know, we'll get a young pastor. That will solve the problem. Cool young pastor, right? You know what brings people into congregations? What calls people into ministry? What expounds mission in our world? Relationship. You know what the newest person in town does not have any of with anyone? Relationships. You know what missional congregations that are growing and thriving all hold in common? They have found a way. Whether it's by feeding or giving drinks or healing or offering love in any of its numerous forms to build relationships with those on the fringes. As we have walked through this season of Epiphany, we have seen Jesus find person after person on the edge, on the fringe. A man by a pool, a blind man on the margin of the road, a woman at a well in midday, a wedding without proper party supplies. And over and over and over, Jesus has given them a drink. Jesus has offered them sight. Jesus has met them where they are despite the rules of the religious structure and said, come to me. And he's done it so much that the church people are now really upset. If we are looking for the pieces of the body of Christ that are missing in our pews, we can't just be looking for some people. Jesus finds those missing people always on the edges, always on the outside, always on the cast out part of the world. Because the people that are part of the church, the leadership, are too caught up in the details, in the minutia, in the way it's always been to see what is possible, what God has called them to, what God is doing in the presence of Christ in that place. If you are hungry, if you are thirsty, Christ has called you to this place. Christ has called you to be fed and nourished, not just by wafers and mini shot glasses, but by relationship, by community, by the love of those on the edges, by people that would rather be cast out. And in this season of revealing, Jesus stands to reveal himself so clearly that it is almost as he begs, come, taste and see, I 
am with you. Come, I am the bread of life. Eat and find satisfaction for that which you truly need. Amen.